1: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed.
0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show, com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight's show is dedicated to one of my most beloved friends, Nancy Dannison. And Nancy... We had a profound new death experience, who's appeared on our show several times, talk about a certain subject matter. Well, actually, I don't really talk about it. I almost bring it, I bring it up all the time. And I know it probably drives you a little crazy. I always say, Hey, Nancy, um, don't you notice that there's some weird stuff going on in the sky? I'm taking pictures of my cell phone and texting here. I'm like, hey, What's you intuitive feeling say that something weird's going on? And we always have a difference of opinion about this. But I know many of you out there listening to our show are like, yeah, there's some weird stuff going on. It's not natural. It's not real. What is it? Well, we're going to find out what it is with a prominent featured guest whose film called The Dimming I've watched several times. And I show it to people on a regular basis. I usually go to parties and everyone's having a good time and laughing and talking. I'm like, watch this documentary where all of us are going to die. And this is why my population, this is why I'm so popular. I think it's pretty important. And one thing that Nancy has talked about in some of her previous interviews and doing her ne- profound near-death experiences, she says that humans, human race, goes through three different things called epochs. And, and the third epoch, when that happens, there's only going to be you know, a handful of people on Earth, maybe about a couple hundred thousand. So where does that tie in with our future guests and the subject matter? Well, it, by all means, it looks like there's an effort underway to kill us. I mean, if they're not trying to kill us with the GMO food and all the stress that they're putting out there, they're, they're always people always trying to figure out a way to undermine humanity and, and get rid of us. So maybe this is another one of the ways. And I wonder if what's going on in the sky right now is part of a greater plan to uh, make that third epoch vision that Nancy had come to fruition. So sit back, relax. You might want to have some vodka on hand, but you'll get the cold-hearted truth about what's going on. Let's begin tonight's show. It is a great honor to welcome to our show today Dane Wingington, the lead researcher at geoengineeringwatch.org. And before we even bring him on, I just want to say that I have watched this documentary, which I mentioned in the beginning, called The Dimming at least five or six times. I find it very fascinating because it really answers a lot of questions that I've always had about what's really happening in the sky. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thank you, Ryan. I'm very grateful that you're lending your voice to this all-important cause. And, and the reason at GeoengineeringWatch.org, Ryan, that we're so focused on this issue is because if we don't deal with this issue, all of their points are moot. If we can't deal with what's happening in our skies, it's not only derailing the planet's life support systems completely, destroying the ozone layer, disrupting the hydrological cycle, it's also contaminating the entire biosphere and every breath we take. So it's a matter of priorities. That's why we're focused on this issue.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. And to catch people up, who are not even aware about this thing or maybe having questions what exactly is going on because you see these planes they go up in the sky and they leave some trail behind them and I'm always talking to my friend Nancy and she's like well you know that, that's vapor that's that's what planes do but it, it's, it always seems weird to me because every time I see them do that it the skies change and there's something off about it too I, I feel like people who are very intuitive also sense that there's something really strange about it so can you For the person who doesn't know anything about what's happening, can you please kind of catch them up a little bit?
1: Really important line of, of, of questioning. First, in regard to the, quote, condensation trail narrative. That is perhaps one of the biggest deceptions ever pushed on populations. We have up close film footage of these aircraft at altitude, nozzles visible, turning dispersions on and off. End of debate on the issue. This is not condensation condensation does not remain in the air. I would ask people to consider when they see a, a researcher, for example, in, in Antarctica, where the breath condenses you know, pretty heavily, do they have a cloud hanging over them for hours? Do they walk along a, a, a glacier and have a big cloud hanging over them? That's not what condensation does. This is a particulate. It's a sprayed particulate. Again, we have up-close photographs of the retrofit nozzles on the wing pylons aimed at the exhaust jet stream designed to make this look like, quote, condensation. We've taken a NOAA flying lab, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration flying lab, top scientists in it. This is at great effort and expense. It's in the film The Dimming, which thankfully you, you brought up. We encourage people to watch that. That is the, the, the best tool we have for exposing this issue. It's available for free on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. But in that film, all captured, or in that documentary, all captured on film, this aircraft we took to altitude, sampled what heavy aircraft were dispersing in our skies. Sample was processed at one of the world's most renowned labs. We found exactly what we knew we would would find by taking these samples, climate-engineering elements, starting with aluminum nanoparticles. So, again, ask people to utilize their sense of reason. When we have photographs of the nozzles on these aircraft, we have the entire climate science community describing exactly what we see in our skies – that they claim we need to do immediately but they're not admitting is already ongoing and has been for 75 years to to spray particles into the atmosphere to deflect some of the sun's incoming thermal energy and this is exactly what we see happening blocking out the entire sky it's what got me into this issue ryan was my home was on the cover of the world's largest renewable energy magazine and this is the paradox of climate engineering while we need the alternative forms of energy most of all the climate engineering is disrupting solar power, hydropower, and wind power. And by me losing my solar power from whatever these aircraft were emitting in our skies is what got me into this issue. I began to test precipitation, found climate engineering elements in the rain, which I had hoped I wouldn't find because I knew it would change the whole course of my life, and it did because I can't look the other way. And so, again, we have a population that wants to believe the official narrative, the official denial, and not what they see with their own eyes. In their own sense of reason. Again, the the entire climate science community describing putting jets in the sky to spray these particulates to block some of the sun's incoming thermal energy to slow down global warming, when in fact, although they can create short-term, highly toxic regional cool-downs, it comes at the cost of an even worse overall warming of the planet because they're destroying the ozone layer, again, disrupting the hydrological cycle. Um, It's the, the down extreme consequences of climate engineering are beyond cataclysmic and we're seeing that now and it's being used as a weapon and that's important to understand too this is not some benevolent operation that's actually trying to do uh, overall good for humanity and the planet this is simply a weapon of war
0: okay hey, well i guess the first question would be why the hell would anyone in their right mind want to do this dane i mean if you're living on the planet and you hate every single person on the planet. You're still living on the planet, so if, you know, if you're going to kill everyone, I would imagine that eventually it's going to go back to you. So what is the main purpose behind this? It sounds completely insane.
1: Really important question. It is insane. That's important to, you know, make clear off the get-go. But let's look at this through their lens. Climate engineering is is a weapon with which they can bring populations to their knees without those populations ever even knowing they're under assault. If we look at the psychoanalysis of those in power, this is straight from the manual. It is from a psychoanalysis manual that the various forms of uh, power addiction that they have, there's a common thread to these forms of psychosis. And that thread is to a, a near total lack of comprehension as to the consequences of their actions, even to themselves. Their lust for power is so total that the consequences of their actions are are not a consideration for them. And let's look at examples we already have of that. Same people in power, same people that have to live on this planet, have participated in the detonation over 2,400 nuclear weapons, which contaminated everything on this planet. And they did it anyway. They detonated, for example, hydrogen bombs in the magnetosphere. That's Project Starfish. They had no idea what the consequences would be to the atmosphere we're still dealing with the repercussions of that but they did it anyway we have fukushima and chernobyl meltdown scenarios fukushima triple meltdown no technology to fix it no end in sight fukushima is an extinction level event by itself and yet we're building sixty more new plants right now we have four hundred forty online all of which will go into meltdown as society collapses we are not dealing with sanity. We have nuclear weapons, enough to exterminate humanity about three, 4,000 times over or more. Yet they're still building these weapons. And even with the planet's waning life support systems and resources, we're, we're putting more of of what's left into weapons of mass destruction. Uh, again, we're not dealing with sanity. We're dealing with a cancer. And so, Ryan, and I'll end with this. Think of a cancer. Does a cancer intend to kill its host? No. A cancer just intends to proliferate at any cost, and the host eventually dies. And that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with many power centers that now are all struggling for various pieces of what's left of the pie, if you will, and they simply are not considering that they will go down with the ship with the rest of us.
0: That's crazy. I mean, you know, I have to tell you, I don't know if you have um, any metaphysical inclinations or you believe you know, life beyond the human body, because on our show, we've discussed that a lot. We've had people who've had near death experiences, who've talked about, you know, consciousness being, you know, being displayed in a number of different life forms. And the one thing I don't understand is the, the human race, I don't understand why it exists or why it is so dark, why it is so evil, because people come on our show, and they talk about, well, there's, you know, evolution of human race, and I see the technological evolutions, they're profound. But there doesn't seem to be a real genuine conscious evolution at all in any capacity. As a matter of fact, there seems to be some type of regression. And when I think about that, I think about how beautiful the Earth is and how many untold number of species have lived on this planet. And I do wonder if the Earth itself has a defense mechanism to sustain itself against anything you would perceive as a particular threat including a very vicious life form or a cancer, such as the human race. In all of your years of looking at this and looking at the world in its totality, have you ever come across any inclination that the Earth itself may be preparing to go into a mode or go into a place where it will survive, but it will kill everything off on the planet in order to sustain its uh, eternal living or sustain
1: its livelihood? profoundly important line of thought. Thank you. We are on exactly the same page in, 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 in regard to the behavior of the human race, in regard to what can only be called a regression. When, when a species willfully exterminates its host, um, that's not sanity, not at all. And for our species to be more concerned about their iPhones and the fact that the planet's not going to support life much longer, that's insanity. So, yes, I would agree with you that the human race is not progressing, not rising to higher levels of consciousness, but in free fall toward a complete lack of consciousness. In regard to the latter part of your question, and it's a very important question, and the earth is certainly a living organism. I mean, that's impossible to deny. I mean, the, the synchronicity, the symbiotic relationship between all life forms that were here before the human race showed up, is beyond comprehension. And we do have functions of the planet happening now that may fit into the category you described, is the planet's immune system, if you will, um, kicking in at this point. So we have methane deposits all over the globe and you know that the climate science community has tried to blame all the methane in the atmosphere on on livestock and cow flatulence and that's just designed to divide and polarize populations. Livestock production is not good for the planet, not denying that. Cutting down forests to grow cows, not good. Uh, But there are far more massive, there's methane deposits that are frozen or were frozen in tundra on the seabed Methane hydrates and clathrates, and, and Ryan, you you know the ship sinkings in the Bermuda Triangle for how many decades, right? Ships go to the bottom intact. Yeah, right?
0: is not it have something to do with the? Um, it, it gets like there's a lot of bubbles at some point, and the ships just crash to the bottom of the ocean. I'm not sure why. Yes. Yes.
1: Been... Methane expulsion. So what's happening? Back to you know the Earth responding as as the oceans warm. And the methane deposits destabilize whole fields, release at once. This is not scientifically disputed. This is what's causing the that phenomenon in, in certain regions. And so the methane fields release; it aerates the water like a bottle of champagne. The surface fish vessels have no buoyancy and they sink intact. That's exactly what's happens. And even the propeller-driven airplanes that have have gone down as well. When that methane enters the air column, paradoxically, it actually kills a propeller-driven airplane. That's been proven in in scientific testing. So we have these methane releases. When that methane migrates through the water column, if it's a seafloor deposit or if it's in the tundra, it migrates straight into the air column. It's lighter than air. It rises into the atmosphere and starts to cover the planet like a layer of glass. Methane over a 10-year time horizon is 120 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. And so we literally have what amounts to, again, a layer of glass covering the planet. Heat gets in, doesn't get out, And everything starts to superheat. It's a feedback loop. It starts to feed itself. I would encourage your listeners to search this, Siberian methane craters. The images they will see will shock them to the marrow. Uh, Images in the Siberian tundra of methane literally exploding out of the tundra. And there's craters that look like nuclear bomb craters. I mean, they're literally hundreds of feet wide, hundreds of feet deep. And there's the same phenomenon happening on the seafloor on a scale exponentially larger So, again, we are on the fast track right now to a planet that will resemble Venus with nothing alive. And the more so-called technology tries to intervene to not to fix it but to hide it, the more nails we drive into our collective coffins. Every single day climate engineering is allowed to continue. It's altering upper-level wind currents. That's altering ocean currents. That's pushing warmer water into the Arctic where much of this methane is contained. That's thawing the methane hydrate fields on the seafloor and again every form of technology that's being thrown at this issue is only adding fuel to the fire and accelerating the overall process so the technology is not fixing us it's literally ensuring our common near-term demise and the planet is most definitely responding
0: it's insane i just cannot believe that uh, this is happening i appreciate your comprehensive answer on that yeah i was wondering if you could please um address this uh, perspective and i, I believe it um, i've gotten this from ice age farmer and some other people especially like an alternative media that will say okay well you know the earth is not heating up we're actually going to a, a ice age we're heading to a, a solar minimum i was wondering if you could please uh, address your thoughts on that and say if you agree disagree and if you agree disagree, disagree, can you please explain why
1: Paradoxically, that narrative is, is exactly what the climate engineers want. That's exactly the narrative they want to cause controversy, to divide the population. So let's look at facts. Let's look at data. If we look at frontline global temperature readings, what we see is a radical underreporting of those temperatures. Not an overreporting, but an underreporting. Across the board, Three, four, five degrees. What's that mean? It means the planet's far warmer than even what we're being told. Next, on some of the massive cooldowns, and Ryan, you've probably seen, um, for example, in Denver, happened only a few weeks ago. They went from 94 degrees to snow in a day, less than a day, and back to the 90s in two days. Did you see that
0: by chance? No, I didn't see it, but I, that is very
1: shocking. It, very shocking. We've seen other events. Amarillo, Texas uh, went from a 100-degree all-time record high to snow in a day. Do you remember all the headlines of the snow in Boston in 2014? Headlines every day, Boston record snow. They, they sensationalized that. What they didn't say when that was happening was 14,000 feet up in the Sierras in winter, there was no snow. Chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. They can seed cloud moisture with endothermic reacting materials. Those are energy-absorbing materials that cause what should have been liquid precipitation to become frozen precipitation. It's a chemical reaction. Just like, Ryan, you have an ice pack uh, in your first aid kit that sits at room temperature for 20 years, and you mix those chemicals together, you have ice instantly, right? Yeah. Same thing happening in the clouds. Highly toxic. We've, we've tested this frozen precipitation and found all the elements that are listed in chemical ice nucleating patents. We had the Chinese government admitting they were creating engineered winter weather. So why aren't any of the alt media sites, none of them, except Geoengineeringwatch.org, acknowledging this aspect of climate engineering, virtually engineering winter events that confuse and divide the population as to the true state of planetary meltdown, and even in spite of those engineered winter events, can like, they come at the cost of a worsened overall warming? when we have film footage, because I don't like to politicize anything, and I'm, I'm not an Al Gore fan, and the environmental groups are complete hypocrites. They're all ignoring climate engineering because they don't want to lose their nonprofit status. But I'm asking people to actually look at the data, and we can't I- ignore what we can see with our own eyes. In the case of the planet's ice deposits, there's a film called Chasing Ice. I would really recommend that to I did watch
0: minute. it, by the way. It was very fascinating. Thank you for Thank sending you. it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that. So, if you watched that film, you saw... From time-lapse film footage, ice deposits virtually collapsing and disappearing all over the globe. We have ocean temperatures going off the scale. We have ocean temperatures in the Arctic now frequently 25 degrees Fahrenheit above normal. That is absolutely catastrophic. It's inconceivable. And to put this into perspective, because the oceans have been absorbing much of the heat the human race has been generating, and that's going to change quite quickly now. There's no more capacity for the oceans to absorb heat, but a cubic meter of seawater can contain 4,000 times the thermal energy of a cubic meter of air. So when you have oceans 25 degrees above normal, that is absolutely a near-term omnicide on the planet. When you put a pot of, uh, if you put a covered pot of air on the stove and turn the heat on full, that air is going to heat up extremely fast in that pot, right? But you fill that pot with ice water, it's going to take a lot longer. And that's the scenario we had. We had an air conditioning system, if you will, on the planet. We had the ice deposits. We had the AMOC current, uh, the Atlantic conveyor, which is distributing the warm water from the equatorial regions to the polar regions and regulating the planet's temperature. and Now all of that is breaking down. Climate engineering, a huge part of it, not the only part, but a huge part. So, again, back to the original question, are we entering an ice age? There is zero Zero credible frontline data, film footage, anything to corroborate that. And to put that into mathematical terms and to, to make clear that I'm not shooting from the hip, if we look at the Maunder minimum, solar minimum, mini ice age, the total statistical solar irradiance reduction was 0.25%. That's 1 400th reduction. The factors that are causing warming on the planet now, with climate engineering being at the top of the list, again, I'm not negating that we're burning 100 million barrels of hydrocarbon a day. That's inconceivable. But climate engineering is even worse because it's, it's preventing the planet from responding to the damage done. But all these forms of human activity absolutely, completely overwhelm any solar minimum. In fact, we're not heading into solar minimum. We're actually increasing in solar activity now at this point. So from every possible measurable statistical mathematical direction, we're heading into what's called Venus syndrome. And that is not a metaphor. It's not a metaphor. If your listeners search geoenginewatch.org Venus syndrome, they'll find a lot more data from one of our reports. So I would encourage people to, again, look at Statistical frontline data, what you can see with your own eyes. Don't believe me. I'm not asking anyone to believe me or anyone else, but I'm saying we need to get rid of our filters, our preconceptions, our biases. Look at factual data. And again, climate engineering making all of it far worse, not better.
0: It's crazy. It's like every time people mess with it, I always say leave it alone. Leave yes. things alone. Yes. I appreciate you you sharing that, being so thorough with your data on that. uh, One thing I think about is I wonder how, let's just play devil's advocate for one second. and Say, for example, you are completely detached from all of your life's work. What do you think, if you are either part of the controlling elite or you are part of the people on this planet, who do you think on this planet could benefit most from your data research? Do you think that there are people who are pushing the climate change agenda that maybe contradicts some of the things that you're saying, but can they utilize your data? Who benefit, Who could benefit most from your life's body of work and uh, do it? I mean, do you think it's more about the people? Do you think that certain people who are pushing uh, climate change would benefit from your work? I'm just curious, uh, from a Devil's Havoc perspective, how you would see that?
1: Yes. And, uh, and we, we hope that they in regard to filters and programming and bias, the whole of academia, the whole of the so-called climate science community that is virtually ignoring, omitting, and denying the climate engineering elephant in the equation, that must be acknowledged. And we need the population to do the same, and we need our military brothers and sisters to do the same. In the case of the military, when they're being told that they're doing some benevolent task, that they're saving the planet with these operations. That could not be further from the truth. And them blindly following orders that are easily, verifiably processes of self-extermination, by them blindly following those orders, that is not fulfilling their oath to... Their countrymen to protect their countrymen from all threats, foreign and domestic. We need our military brothers and sisters to wake up and understand they are participating in their own demise and the demise of their own posterity, which will never, ever have a future on this course. Public needs to wake up as well, and academia, absolutely, the so-called climate science community. That think about this, Ryan. the, The largest scientific panel ever created on any subject in human history is the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. 2,000 plus top climate scientists they don't even consider not only do they not acknowledge climate engineering in that's so blatantly obvious in our skies that anybody that's not clinically blind can see it and understand what it is but they not only don't acknowledge that they don't even allow for and include in their modeling scenarios like the methane scenario i just described it's not even in their modeling how do you have how do you make a, a climate model that omits the, the largest factors in the equation of all, and how do they call themselves scientists at that point? And what do we have coming from the so-called science community? We just had this proposal come from MIT last week, one of the most recognized science institutions in the world, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. They proposed putting Brazil-sized space bubbles a million miles into space to block the sun. What kind of science fiction totally uh, fantastic impossibly to... Uh, impossible to even consider in any form of reality. They come up with this stuff, and they're called scientists, and they come up with uh, putting up space mirrors and putting tarps over over glaciers to try to slow the melting as if that's going to help anything, or building undersea walls to hold up glaciers from fall- from collapsing into the ocean. And, and this is the science community? It, it sounds like something you'd get out of an insane asylum. Yeah. So you know where, where are we at with that? I'm, I'm, I share your angst for the so-called climate science community. They're they're just a pack of paid liars that are programmed to the degree that they can't even uh, see reality if it's five feet in front of their face.
0: No, oh, it's it's really strange. There, have you heard of Matthias Desmond by chance?
1: It rings a bell, but okay. I'm not placing.
0: Matthias Desmond's really common to. Um, prominence, especially in the past year, because he's, I think he wrote a recent book called Mass Formation Psychosis, and he was talking... Oh, okay,
1: I, I know who he is now, you know, yes, yes, and yes,
0: yes. I, I utilize his body of work, because I think it applies to a lot of other different areas, because if you get to this point where you see data in front of you, and you still think it's crazy, because it doesn't match what your set values are, or what you think your set values are, there's no way of getting through and it seems like on the planet right now, that so many people are committed to ignoring what this true reality is. And it, you know how you—if you look at a computer sometimes and it has too many viruses on it, the you can't save that computer. You have to wipe the whole thing dr- drive. So I don't know if we—if we had the—if we can turn this thing around. I mean, generally speaking, how can people stand a chance against something that has been in place for so long? And as Doug Casey likes to say, trends in motion tend to stay in motion. So as this, you know, dark, sinister force continues to gain momentum, not only with its leverage over the planet, but for the amount of years that it's been doing this and putting the, the stuff in the air, how does humanity stand a chance? Even if you, I mean, what would you need? It seems you would need a considerable amount of energy or some sort of intervention from a force comparable to the influence or the persistency or the passion for the one that's trying to suffocate the planet right now. So I'm curious what your perspective is.
1: Gosh, Ryan, your, your line of questioning is, is so to the heart of the matter. So profoundly important. Thank you for being so on track, so on target, the mass formation, psychosis, that, that whole phenomenon is so core to all of this. And I am familiar with his work. I, I just didn't, um, um, hear the name quite clearly through the phone, but um, yes, this is absolutely core to the the entire equation. How do we break this with such momentum? And um, I would argue that only by achieving a collective awakening of the degree to which we're fighting, a, a mass um, critical mass, if you will, of awareness, the 100th monkey scenario, if you will. For, if your listeners are not familiar with the 100th monkey scenario, um, experiments done with monkeys on, on specific islands that were uh, introduced to a new kind of fruit. And it, was, it, it took them a long time to figure out how to open that fruit. But once they did, once they did on one island, all the other islands it suddenly they knew how to also something they, they really scientifically couldn't explain. There was some sort of collective consciousness that, that affected the other uh, specimens in this experiment in ways that they couldn't really explain. Is that something we can achieve? I don't know. I don't know. I know when I started this battle 20 years ago, I could only hear my own voice coming back at me. No one listened to what I was trying to sound the alarm about. No one. And now we have, people in militaries, we have, as you saw in the dimming, we have the former Canadian Minister of Defense, cabinet officials, we're communicating with members of Congress right now and the Senate Armed Services Committee. If we can bring this to light, we have a chance of stopping it from the inside out right, by affecting those who are participating, and hopefully they will refuse to participate in their own demise. We're going to hit the wall. That's a given, short of some out, outside force that we can't know or or. Uh, confirm or prove we could stop all forms of human activity today we are going to hit the wall again back to the momentum that you still correctly brought up an example i've used on my weekly global alert news broadcast it's a commercial free broadcast we we air on stations out of our own pocket across the country it's available on the home page of geo and watch.org but as i as i bring up often there that uh, the inertia we have is comparable to human races like the occupants of... It's like the Thelma and Louise moment, if that brings an image to mind. Crashing through the guardrail, sailing through the sky on the way to the bottom of the canyon, human race being the occupants of the car, and still uh, fighting over what station to put the radio on while the car is sailing to the bottom of the canyon for impact. And That's the human race. Or arranging deck chairs on the Titanic, whatever metaphor you want to use. That's certainly where we're at. At this point, if we could bring it to light and shatter the, the delusion that this paradigm is going to keep going which it's not. Again, you can shut off all forms of human activity right now, including climate engineering, we are going to hit the wall. There's far too much inertia to stop. Now the question is, can we salvage any part of Earth's life support systems? That we can't know. We can't know how profound the planet's life support response would be if we can stop climate engineering and we have to stop all other forms of destructive human activity. As you so correctly stated a moment ago, leave it alone. This planet is miraculous beyond anything we can comprehend. All we're doing is harming it, just like the human body, right? How many pharmaceutical commercials have you seen take this for that symptom, and they list the side effects, and you wonder who would take that?
0: I know. It's crazy. My doctors do not like me because every time I walk in, they want to prescribe me pharmaceuticals. They said, I'm going to do it naturally. They don't like that. I do not make ph- pharmaceutical industry a lot of money.
1: Good for you. you. I don't go to the doctor. <laughs> I'm just I'm just like you. I mean I'll, I'll you know at this point. They, I walk it off. They know they know how to do some things. I mean I, I've had a lot of broken bones and, and uh injuries that you know I'm I'm grateful to the medical industry for for remedying. But as far as the overall internal uh preservation functions of the body, man, they're they're only they're only harming it. The same is true with the planet. And again, On a value system, we have to change our values of why we're here. Are we here to simply pursue personal pleasures, go on cruises, go to Disneyland, get iPhones, new cars with no payments, nothing down, no interest for six months? Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. When I look at my children, I know I owe them my life. I owe them my life. I don't own my life. I owe it. And so I would argue, again, we need to redefine why we're here. And if it's not to preserve the planet's life support system so that our posterity might have some sort of a future to experience life, then why are we here if not for that? So we need to redefine the why of our existence, if you will. And if we focus on this, and everybody can do something, and people feel helpless, but they're not. And I would give the mathematical equation. If if one person shares credible data with two people on the first day of a 30-day month, and those two people with two each the second day and so on for 30 days, that's about 5.5 million. Sounds like my math's wrong, but it's not. So each of us can do something. And that's why we at GeoDreamWatch.org we encourage, for example, sharing the dimming documentary, which people can do for free from home, from their own home computer, even though Facebook's trying to censor it. If you share the link through an email, it can get to the next person and the next person, and we can wake people up to what's happening in our skies, and that we cannot escape. We can avoid medical treatments that we know are harming us. We can avoid a lot of things, but we have to breathe. With every breath we take, we're sucking up aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, Polymer fibers. Now we know graphene. For listeners that don't know what graphene is, it's incredibly toxic. It's like a vascular machete. It's in our air column, it's in our precipitation, it's being uptaken in our foods. It's a part of climate engineering. These, all these elements I just named are part of climate engineering elements. And although industrial pollution is bad enough, these elements, because they're manufactured nanoparticles, are far more harmful still. And we're sucking it up with every breath we take. We're not going to be functional much longer. And it's destroying the entire biosphere, killing soil microbiome, crushing crops. Uh, this is a fight for life right here, right now.
0: So, if there is one shift, if there is one thing that collective humanity can do with regards to what is happening to the Earth, with regards to this geoengineering, what is the one shift in belief or one shift in consciousness? That could literally change things dramatically. that could truly be the hundredth monkey effect, which, if multiplied multiplied, could really shift things in our positive direction.
1: Well, certainly to question everything and to use the gifts we were given, starting with the sense of reason and purpose, and if we look at the Milgram experiments, and many of your listeners might be familiar with those where they Uh, was a mock shocking of an individual behind a one-way glass that, that the subjects of that test perceived that they were following orders by, as you just stated, someone in authority. And shockingly, the vast majority of people would continue to administer what they believed was a lethal shock, so long as someone in authority was telling them to do so. And that is incredibly shocking to me. At what point do we follow our own moral compass our own sense of logic and if we don't use these gifts then we are truly adrift um and and free falling to the bottom of the abyss so yes we need to um awaken those those gifts we've been given fully utilize them and certainly the so-called experts are at this point are nothing more than paid liars for the power structure and almost every uh vein of academia, this is the case. So it's, it's so close to impact at this point that we, short of some outside intervention, are now fighting for salvaging some part of Earth's life support system so that someone might make it through what's coming. But is that not still worth fighting for? I would bring this example up. If you knew there was, if your child was in a burning house and you knew you had almost no chance of saving them, would you not try?
0: You do, do whatever you could. I can't believe they were are having a discussion at this point they are saying, we'll try to salvage what's left. Wow, I didn't realize how bad things were. That's,
1: um, that's shocking. Let's, let's look at statistics. Let's look at statistics right now. Uh, no plankton, no people. Global plankton populations down about 70%. Let's look at insect populations. Org was the first major source to disclose and try to sound the alarm about the fact that insect populations were crashing around the globe. We did this in about 2012 and and got a lot of blowback from the so-called science community that tried to marginalize that conclusion. Now they've admitted to it. Your listeners can search insect apocalypse. They were 10 years behind us, but they finally admitted to it because they can't hide it. People are noticing, hey, there's hardly any... Now you probably have some insects back east because you've had moisture, more cloud cover, and, and less of the incredibly harsh conditions that the rest of the world is getting. And I w- want to remind your listeners, the eastern half of the U.S. lower 48, which is about, it's a little over one-half of 1% of the Earth's surface area, a little over one 1,200, is the most anomalously less warm region in the entire world for 10 years running. That's not nature. That's climate engineering. That's climate engineering with the biggest military in the world, U.S. military, that is ensuring that the most populated portion of the U.S. remains confused and divided as the true state of the climate. So please understand what's happening out your doorstep is not what's indicative of the whole world. But in regard to insect population collapse, where I live, for example, in Northern California, you can hardly find an insect here. I live in the forests of Northern California. You can hardly find a single insect. And no insects, no people. Current statistical decline is about 80 to 90 percent of terrestrial insects eighty to ninety percent of the bugs can't make it how long do we think we're going to be here we have ozone layer collapse climate engineering single greatest factor destroying the ozone layer not being disclosed we have a NASA contract engineer former contract engineer that works directly for us with state-of-the-art metering equipment we supplied them at the cost of about 10k and we're not only getting massive amounts of UVC on the surface that's a DNA damaging spectrum of UV radiation which is indicative of an ozone layer that's collapsing as of about 60 days ago, we're starting to detect trace elements of X-ray. That's the final spectrum of UV radiation. I think we all know how harmful that is. And we, we are facing potential functional collapse of the ozone layer. It doesn't mean there's nothing left, but it means it's a functional collapse. It's no longer functioning. Jeez. 18, 18 to 24 months. How about that?
0: That's, that's, that's pretty awful. And, Dane, I don't know about you. I feel that... The human race is, people are trying to kill us. I think that there's a great effort underway to reduce the population. If they're, if they're not uh, gonna get us with the uh, pharmaceuticals, I think they're gonna get us with the food. If they're not gonna get us with the food, they're gonna get us with the weather. Either way, I feel like we're being marginalized, we're being pushed out. Do You think that at some level that the people who are behind the scenes truly understand what is happening and are doing whatever they can to accelerate the demise of the human race, so they can have whatever's left of the world? Because if most people survive, is their existence not threatened? Or do they uh, the elites, believe that, hey, you know, we're not really so bad. We actually see this coming. We're actually trying to do something positive for this thing. You just, you just think that we're evil.
1: The former okay. is exactly right. You are exactly correct. There is no benevolence in those who who wield the levers of power, none. Are they trying to cull human populations? Absolutely inarguable. They know what's coming. Let's weave this into the COVID scenario too. I mean, when they know that the planet can no longer support the human race. There's, that's a statistical fact that is absolutely inarguable. And when I hear people say, no, we could all fit in the state of Texas, it's not about elbow room. It's about resources the planet can't support the population, period. We've we've destroyed the planet in the geologic blink of an eye. Those in power are most responsible of all, although we have a population that's been all too happy to go along with this insanity. They know that they must radically reduce human populations. Again, they should be the first ones to walk the plank, the power structure. But uh, if we look at the warp speed COVID scenario, we know know where the warp speed part fits into this equation. I'll leave it at that. Um, The planet and leaving this back into the first part of our conversation, is the planet responding to this scourge that's killing it? Biosphere collapses beat the power structure to the intersection. Now they're chasing a the ball downhill, and they know it. And they are absolutely ramping up every possible form of inflicting damage on populations to, to debilitate them and to disable them and ultimately to eliminate them. And that is absolutely going on. In the case of climate engineering, the consistency with which crops are being crushed right now from what we know to be engineered events is undeniably a form of weather warfare. There's no question they are crushing crops, crushing agricultural regions via drought, via flood, via massive hailstones. Again, that's, that's a part of uh, chemical ice nucleating operations. And for those who don't believe that this, this technology is real, that's simply denial. It, it's so obviously... Um, unsupportable uh, ryan you've seen the, the ski slopes on a mountain where the whole mountains bare of snow but the ski slopes full of snow right Yeah, because they're they're nucleating the moisture and they're dumping it on the slope they, do, they can do the same thing with cloud moisture this is not um, new technology it's it's three-quarters of a century old it's been refined and improved so be all these methods, via flash freezes and flooding and drought, they are crushing crops, crushing the population's ability to feed itself, and not that we wouldn't be having trouble anyway. We would. We've been, again, very poor stewards of the planet. But what I point out is that if we look at the various means with which they're trying to debilitate and kill populations, and the CV-19 scenario being the most obvious and most aggressive and most recent, but what I would point out, at any moment of the power structures choosing if they feel they're really losing control and people are waking up they can put something much more lethal into the aerosol dispersions and we're done overnight done yes. and why wouldn't they why oh. wouldn't they when let me add more to this equation we have the world's second most recognized geoengineer climate engineer Dr. Ken Caldera former US defense department employee we have an audio we own the audio of him at geoengineeringwatch.org of him stating on the record what he did for the U.S. Department of Defense. And one of the things he did was, quote, in his own words, design methods of spraying pathogens into clouds to infect the populations below, end quote. World's second most recognized geoengineer. Now works for Bill Gates. Imagine that. So we know that these capabilities exist. We know that, for example, polymer fibers, which are part of the climate engineering mix, are used for biological carriers to carry your biologicals from the clouds to the ground. We know in the case of COVID-19, there was 85 countries infected in three days. How does that happen? How does that happen without aerial dispersion? And why wouldn't they use this? We know as of 1977, the U.S. military had conducted no less than 239 open-air biological tests over innocent U.S. civilians without their knowledge or consent. That's a historical record. It's not my opinion. This is business as usual. Why wouldn't they do this? Why would we expect they wouldn't do this? And we have biolabs all over the globe, manufacturing, who knows what. And, again, um, we're not dealing with sanity or benevolence. Um, there's nothing good in those in power, nothing left good in them.
0: Well, I'm not going to disagree with you on, on that. And, uh, Dane, whether or not we have a happy ending or a sad ending, as far as I go, as far as people listening to our show go, If we're going to go out, we're going to go out on our feet. We're not going to go out on our knees. And, uh, Dane, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, you've just been listening to an interview with Dave, Dane Wigington, and you can learn more about him by going to geoengineeringwatch.org. And please, if you can, I'll post a link to it, Watch the Dimming. It is a fascinating documentary. Share it with your family and friends. Dane, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Ryan, thank you. I'm very grateful for your voice in this battle. In regard to a final sentiment about how this story ends, I would argue if we remain at our post and we play our appointed part in this drama and we do not yield to the insanity, that no matter what, the story ends well for us. That We did not give up or yield. And that's, that, that is in our control only, and we need to remember that, and we need to adhere to that moral compass no matter what comes.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guests, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer Jenny Lemisa. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at out And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace love and beers take it care and thank you so much for listening